As you take your seats, if you would take out your Bibles. This morning we'll pick up, and as I was going through my notes for this study, and we're trying to refine how we do these things, so be patient and bear with us as we figure out what can go up on the screen and what can't. (laughs) I have a tendency to think more is better, but sometimes more is not better, so we're working on those things. This morning, the way we are. And we're going to take a little bit of a journey back last week, but uh, just four verses this morning. We'll pick up and reread verse 4 and down through verse 7. But as we think about our lives, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Amen? That's the bad news. But there's a whole bunch of good news, amen, that comes after that. We get to the way that we actually are because of who we are in Christ Jesus as our Lord. But before we get to that good news, I want to really speak to us who this morning know the Lord. If you're here and you're saved by grace through faith, you're a child of God. I think it's important for us to not forget completely that we were once dead and that we can actually kind of play with dead things occasionally. Now, if you have male children, if you have sons, you you know that there's a fascination that boys have with dead things. It doesn't matter whether it's a dead bird or a dead something on the side of the road. They're just kind of weird. They like to, you know, they go poke it and see what's, what's going on with it. Can I say that sometimes as the body of Christ we poke at dead things? We, we kind of play around with the old man, with the old nature. We sometimes look back and we don't remember from whence we have come. And it is to that end that I wish to speak first this morning because it's important for us to remember that he's made us alive. Amen? In remembering that, you remember how dead you used to be. And if you really remember how dead you used to be, then you would never want to go there again. Let's take this passage from verse 4 and we'll read down to verse 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, and underline that word, because, because of his great love, there's a reason He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. God doesn't act in a vacuum. He he doesn't do things capriciously. His great love, with which he has loved us, he has agapeoed us. He's without any thought towards his own self, remembered you and remembered me. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, repeats exactly the way we were. We were dead. Has made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful this morning for the incredible work that was accomplished on our behalf at the cross. Lord, we can't even imagine the magnitude of what was done. And so this morning, as we study your word, as we spend this little bit of time, Lord, just in your presence, 
Lord, would you help us to understand and know what is your perfect plan, your purpose for our lives. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, by his grace and by his mercy, we've been made alive. But when you look back on your old life, when I look back on my old life, sometimes I forget uh, exactly how dead I was. And we kind of are tempted to dabble in those things. Interestingly enough to me, we, we very often pick out the most heinous of things, and we're pretty good at not dabbling in those. But we have to make sure that we're not dabbling in some of the other things that can easily put us back into bondage. What about bitterness? What about unforgiveness? How about hatred? How about vanity? Anybody in here struggle with vanity? I looked at my face and said, you're old. I saw that in the mirror this morning. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be something you can do with that. How about impure motivation for the things that we do? Anybody ever have the wrong motivation for doing something? You you see, those things are, are inherently against God's plan for our lives. How about unfriendliness? Anybody ever become unfriendly? I do not shop well with others. Come Christmas time, my wife sequesters. Connie puts me in a, in, a, in, a, in a room, and I have to stay there. Because I don't shop well with others. You know, sometimes we have things in our lives that kind of look a little bit like the old man, don't they? They come up every once in a while. About malcontentedness. Anybody ever suffer from that malady? That's just kind of like covetousness light, isn't it? And yet it's sin. We're supposed to be content to the point that whether we're abased or abounding, that we're good in Jesus. Amen? You see, we need to remember from whence we've come. And we thank him for the provision that we have for us to have a right relationship with God. And so as we move on, we begin to see his love in action. We see the way we are, not the way we were. We're going to see how God acts, and we're going to see why God acts. And I want to remind you, you know, I don't know how many of you ever struggled with this, but when I first got into full-time ministry, I thought that I was doing God a favor. Anybody ever think, you know, I know it's just me, but I thought I was doing God a favor. It's like, well, of course you would use me. I mean, after all, I'm great. You know, we we look at our lives and it's just like, oh, you know, if I could just do this for the Lord and that for the Lord, and after all, I can do this and I can do that, and I have this skill and that talent, and all of a sudden it becomes about us, when in fact His grace and His mercy has nothing to do with us, amen? It's actually in spite of us, isn't it? It's not because we're great, it's not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because there's something wonderful that we bring to the table. Every morning when we get up, God has a problem, amen? Think about it for a second. Because none of us ever go through an entire day where something doesn't pop into your mind that is sinful. Most people can say that very honestly. Well, it's just that thought. Maybe it was just some malcontentedness. 
Maybe it was a little bit of anger. Maybe it was a little bit of bitterness, something from your past, some unforgiveness towards a person in your life. And it darts in there. Praise God for the grace of God. Amen? Because it's not about us being perfect. It's about us being perfected, which is the real focus of this passage. And so God loves us. He loves us anyway. It is that but God that we've already seen. You see, Zephaniah wrote it this way. He said, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He's turned back your enemy. You see, my enemy was sin and death. Amen? Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross turned back my enemy, sin and death. I had no power over sin, and I was going to die and perish eternally. And at the cross of Christ, Jesus took care of that. I did not take care of it for myself. That's why when people say, well, you know, I'm hoping to one day finally make it. If you're hoping to one day finally make it in your own strength, i got news for you. You're never getting there. Ever. You might get really close. Maybe you'll become some ascetic monk living in a cave somewhere, and you'll try and shield your eyes from all of the world's things, and you'll give away all your possessions... And then you're going to wake up one morning and find out that you still have a thought life that's affected by your sin nature in Adam. That maybe you're not content with your cave. You look at the cave, well, I wish the cave was bigger. You know, I'd really like to not have to walk two miles to get some water. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a little bit of discontentedness in us. And so God, by His grace, His love in action, His agape love, which doesn't give us what we deserve, it doesn't give us what we've earned, it gives us what we have not deserved and have not earned. And so we see in this remaining time together three acts that are accomplished by God. I want you to look at something very carefully, and if you could read it in the original language, you would find that there's a prefix in front of each one of the verbs that's used here, in other words, alive and raised up and seated, and it speaks of this. It it speaks of those actions having taken place, past tense, in the past, in other words, at the cross, but they have a present work that's going on in us right now today. In other words, we have always, because of Jesus, been made alive. The power of the cross is available to us. But he is still today making you alive. Amen? Because we still have some deadness, so he's working in you today. We also can see that we were raised up the moment Jesus paid the price for your sin. Heaven was guaranteed. You're you're going to go to heaven. He was raised, and so you shall also be raised. Scripture declares that plainly. And he has seated us. You realize that when Jesus left this earth and went to heaven, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. Amen? So in that sense, you're already seated there. It's a done deal. It's a foregone conclusion. There's no if in it. So you're already walking in being made alive. You're already walking in being raised up. And you're already walking in being seated with Christ, even though we're not completely there yet. You have the present value of these things available to you as the children of God. He worked on our behalf. It's this incredible picture. How did God do this? When Jesus said, Tetelestai, he said, it is finished. 
He didn't say it was kind of, sort of started, and one day we'll wrap it up. He said it's finished, it's done. The price is paid, the victory's been won, your eternity is secure. Do you see the, the difference? You see, you can look at your salvation almost as if it's something that's yet to come. It's a present reality. It was paid for in the past, it was done, it was secured for you, secured for me, but who we are is these new alive people, amen? We're no longer dead people, we're alive people. So we now live a different life because of what Christ did. Paul explains these doctrines in in Romans 6, in Galatians 2, in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 8, he says this in verses 8 through 11. He says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For we know that since Christ is raised from the dead, he cannot die again. For death no longer has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Amen? And and, and as, as Paul would write those words to the church in Rome, as he writes them to us really today, what he's saying is, is look, you used to be this way. You are now this way. Live that way. So many Christians walk still in some form of almost pseudo-defeat because they have not appropriated that for which God's actually done the work to secure those things for us. We haven't taken it in. I haven't laid hold of that for which he's laid hold of me. And so I'm kind of walking around half-fulfilled. That's not God's plan for us. He's done these wonderful things by bringing us into his family, these three wonderful things. He's made us alive. He saved us. You didn't save yourself. I didn't save myself. His amazing grace has done that for us. Amen? God didn't require you to be good enough to get saved. That's what religion says. You go on some mystical journey. You buy these books. You study this stuff. You go to some, you know, some place on the planet Earth, and you stay there for a you know, hundred years, and you'll finally be good enough for God to accept you. That's what religion says. Christ said, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Amen? Actively engaged in the process of sinning, Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross and said, I'll take them. Just as they are. And then they can walk in that newfound life. As you look at these things, as we are raised up and we're made alive and we're seated it's kind of like you know I, I have an affinity for you know sometimes when i'm studying my brain just goes to mush and i'll sit down and i'll watch some you know late night television thing just to kind of unwind my brain it's usually like nat geo or discovery channel but you know the infomercials that are on there but wait if you act now we'll triple your offer That's right, for an incredibly low price, we'll offer you being made alive, being raised up, and being seated with all three, wrapped in one guy, Jesus. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like all of a sudden, and Jeff is a real sinner, he's not a paid actor. But that's the way this works. You get all those things. You know, it's like that, it's like that plasticware thing. There's 740 pieces to it. 
And you know, it's, you've got the one you can put a whole watermelon inside of it. And, and then you've you got the one that can do a chicken all, all together and a turkey. It, it's the same thing. There's nothing that you'll dig out of your life that there isn't something that Jesus has already done to secure that part of your life so that you can live it for Him. He's already paid for your anger. He's paid for your bitterness. That's why these things are past tense with a present action. He's raised us from the dead. We were dead. We're now raised. We need to live like raised people. As believers, we're walking in that newness of life. I can live that life right now today. I don't have to wait until I get to heaven. So many Christians are like, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll finally be okay. You can be great right now. Amen? I think if the church laid hold of that, if we laid hold of that, we're going to see at the end of this passage this morning, there's a purpose for these things. So he says, look, you're raised. You're no longer dead. We now walk in that obedience to the things of the Spirit. You see, we have that new citizenship, and we need to claim it right now. We eagerly await for the Lord to come and get us. Amen? Whether you go home one at a time or we go home all together when the trumpet sounds and, and we are, who are still here get to see Jesus in the clouds, you're still going home to heaven. But how about living a heavenly life right now? Amen? You're, it's kind of weird. I don't know how many of you have traveled a lot internationally, but I've traveled a lot internationally. And I can tell you there's something that happens, and it's great that it's Memorial Day. When you travel away from the United States of America, and I don't care where you go, it does not matter to me. When I come back to the U.S., and I pull out my U.S. passport, and I go up to passport control, and there's that short line that says U.S. residents only, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen? And you walk, and you give them your passport, and hi, Mr. Gill, how are you? Welcome home. Amen? They usually say that, unless you catch them on a bad day and it's like, you again. <laughs> but you get back to the, you, you want to kiss the dirt, and I don't care where you've been. You could have been on the greatest vacation in the world, but to get home is something very, very, very special. we got a lot of issues in America, but it's still the best place on the planet Earth to be. Amen? And so when you come home, you pull out your passport. Can I tell you, you're actually, you have dual citizenship. You didn't know that. You have dual citizenship. You've got an earthly passport. You've also got a heavenly passport. And it's got a Jesus visa stamp in it. And, and Amen. And one day you're going to get to heaven, and the only thing they're going to ask you is, what would you do with Jesus? Well, here's my passport. I accepted him. When I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. There it is. Welcome home. But I still get to live like a citizen of heaven today. I have all the rights and all the privileges of my heavenly Father. Every last one of them. I am fabulously wealthy because my Father owns this earth. You ever thought of that for a second? You're one of God's kids. He owns the earth. You're driving down the street. That's my house. That's my house. That's my house. That's my house. I own that business. Honda, you don't own. That's me. My dad owns that. All those cars that drive by that you want, that's actually your car. Just go ask him for it. 
We're like that. We, we need to see our riches in Christ. That's who you are. You're getting all these things added to you. God wants us to understand that. And as you look at these things, you know, sometimes we, we kind of sell ourselves short. As we close up today, what an amazing truth is held here at the end. Notice verse 7, that in the ages to come. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, roughly, amen? That in the ages to come, that age is the age that we're in now, the church age, the age of grace. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, you guys are the trophy case of God. Have you ever thought about that? When someone is supposed to see Jesus, God says, Have you considered Mark? Have you looked at Mary? Have you talked to Susie? Go talk to Jeff. He's one of my trophies of grace. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, because you've been brought into God's family, you have been made alive, you are already raised, and one day you will be seated, God takes us out into the world so he can show everybody else what it's like to be one of his kids. That's the deal. Some people look at, well, you know, I don't want them to show me off. You know why they say that? Generally, because there's things in their life that they don't want anybody to see that don't stack up to the wonderful love of Christ. But God says, look, my grace is sufficient for these things. As he says this, he wants to show us. That word that's translated there in the English show is actually a legal term. It means to present the case. In other words, when God wants to present the case for grace, he uses you. Amen? He uses the church in general. This church and every other church that rightly divides the word of truth and preaches Christ crucified alone for the remission of sin. He uses the whole church. He says, you want to see what I'm like, go look at them. That's why it's so important that we're obedient to the word of God. It's why it's so important that we walk in grace. It's why it's so important that we are forgivers because we ourselves have been forgiven. Amen? You see, when the church does what the church is supposed to do, God gets the glory. And he can say, look, there's my trophy case right there. You, you all probably have, have friends. We, we have boxes in our garage of just trophies from when the boys were younger for everything. You know, there's martial arts and there's baseball and there's all these things. And you go through them and it's like you start to pull them out. And it like covers the garage floor with all kinds of awards. God feels the same way about you, about us. Look at that bondage that my daughter has been delivered from. She's no longer doing those things. Look at my son. Look what's happened to him in his life. He used to be mean-spirited and angry and hated everybody, but now he loves everybody. People think he's weird. In the right way. Because the Lord is visible in you. The Lord is visible in us. The world says that what we are can't happen. And yet we are proof that it has. Amen? The world says, well, there's no, you know, that whole, that's a crutch. I have talked to so many people. Well, you know, religion, it's a crutch. You're right. Religion is a crutch. But I don't have religion. I have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Amen. I'm not leaning on something. I am being held by someone. I'm not walking around going, well, you know, I hope I get to the fifth stage of whatever. I got there. When I said yes to Jesus Christ, seated in the heavenlies, raised up with Jesus and made alive. Amen? Think about it. So the Lord can show you off. The Lord can show me off. The Lord can show us off. We become that picture to humankind. And they look at the church. That's why it's so important that we represent Him well. Who else could do that but God? Amen? Look around this room and ask yourself a simple question. Who could bring this group together but God? Amen? We represent about every tribe, tongue, nation, every creed and color imaginable known to man. And but God brought us all together in this one place. He's the one that binds us together. He's the one that's forgiven my sin and forgiven yours. He's the one that's made us alive. And we now walk in that new aliveness. So what the Lord does is he simply displays us. He says, look, you want to see what I look like? You want to see what I can do? You want to understand who I am? Just go meet with one of the brothers and sisters. Look at them at work. Why don't you try that church thing? Seems a little weird, a little strange. You kind of wonder, they, they go more than once a week. What's up with that? You are exhibit A. The Lord calls his court together in the world, and he says, I want to present the evidence that what I did through my son Jesus is true. And he says, here you are. The evidence is overwhelming. Think about how many millions today, how many hundreds of millions, perhaps a billion maybe even two billion people on the face of the earth today that are exhibit number one for Christ Jesus as Lord. But God, who is rich in mercy, demonstrating that amazing love, his incredible kindness, has made us alive. He has raised us up. We're no longer in the miry clay, amen? He seated us in the heavenlies. There's a mansion for you. And I pray we walk in that wonderful state of being God's showpiece. Amen? So that the world can see Jesus. I'd like to go home. I'd like to use that second passport for the final time. But in the meantime, the world needs Jesus. Amen? Let's show him Jesus this week. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we think on these things, Lord, as we realize the way we are, Lord, it's all you. It is by grace and through faith that we have been saved. And Father, there's no one here today that that can't be their a wonderful place, Lord, that you would just reach out right now. And, and fathers, we have the prayer room available and pastors to, to pray. 
God, pray that your grace would just reach into the hearts of those who maybe today have come and the message of the gospel is foreign to them. Seek, save the lost, we pray. And Father, for those of us who are walking with you, Lord, would we walk in victory this week? Lord, would we walk in power this week? Would we be your showpiece this week? God, thank you for those marvelous words, but God, Thank you for being rich in mercy. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen.